0: Another episode of the Lemonade Budget for Champagne Social Butterflies. Was the aspirational podcast for hopeless people, kind of still is, but let's face it, this is now getting known as the podcast with the ridiculously long title that no one can ever remember the name of. Everyone says, go look up Donna's podcast, what's it called? Yes, what's it called Donna? The Lemonade Budget for Champagne Social Butterflies. Thanks, okay, right, I'll remember that. You don't, do you? Just call it the Lemonade Budget. Or as the cool kids are calling it, the Lemonade Budget for Champagne Social Butterflies. It's like the Lemonade Budget, because, you know, you haven't got a lot of money. Champagne, you want more money. Social, you want more money. Butterflies, you're beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, so anyway, how have you been? I've had a good week. Pretty much a good week. I suppose the hot... Topic of the week is going to be the John Lewis Christmas ad. Have you seen it? <laughs> yeah, so friendly Edgar the dragon has a problem with fire and getting too excited and ruins Christmas. I don't see how the resolution of said advert... don't want to spoil the plot for you because it's, it's, like it's a two-minute story. But basically there's a little red-headed girl and she's friends with a dragon... And the dragon keeps setting fire to things and all the villagers hate him. So they don't. They, they don't. They just they tolerate his presence. They just look at him askance, even though he nearly killed all the children. Luckily, that pond was very shallow when he melted it. But, you know, you know, he's, he's a walking hazard. But no one has addressed the real problem of the John Lewis Christmas ad. And that is child labour. Yeah, I don't know if you've noticed, but that little girl has a job. She's a baker. So the only reason she gets to sort of give a gift to the dragon of a Christmas pudding that he can set fire to is because she works in the bakery. making. She's not very happy either. You can see her looking miserable. I mean, that, that dragon's not the only thing in her life. But she's miserable and it's Christmas. And that's because she's having to work every day. The real start of the advert is, of course, the massive cat that you see leaping away from the dragon's front door. That is a huge cat. And of course, the other aspect of this story that's just emerged today is that John Lewis completely ripped it off. So from what I've gathered, there are three authors claiming that this story is basically their story. There is one author who's like a best-selling children's author, and she has a red-headed little girl with a dragon at Christmas. And then there's another author who's a self-published author, and the entire in- entire story seems to match the John Lewis ad and then there's another author who claims that John Lewis have ripped off their unicorn story it's a little bit more far-fetched but let's face it John Lewis you've got form haven't you you ripped off Chris Riddell (laughs) he of the goth girl fame and all those illustrations for J.K. Rowling he had a short story called The Underbed and there's a monster in it and that was pretty much the Christmas advert from last year so you've done that before like we wouldn't notice so now I'm working in comedy and one of the things that comedians often talk about is joke thieves and there's a thing called the zeitgeist the ghost of time uh, which basically is that you know ideas float in the social soup that we're all part of so some comedians can have very similar ideas happen roughly the same time and basically come up with jokes at very similar times. And then if they hear each other, they go, oh, joke thief. But, you know, there's also a lot of uh, stories we have of people who definitely ripped off other people's routines. Joe Pasquale, I'm looking at you. Oh, Joe Pasquale, he's so nice with his squeaky voice. Always doing the panto. Yeah, always doing the panto. But basically, that's the excuse that John Lewis have come up with. They've gone, oh, there are many, many stories about dragons at Christmas and setting fire to Christmas puddings. But the thing is, there are lots of stories about dragons, especially for kids. And yeah, your dragon kind of looks like a the Gruffalo as well. It's even got the odd horns. Odd horns, you say? Yeah, one of, one of its horns is bigger than the other. I've had that problem, e- Edgar, the dragon. <laughs> one of my horns was <laughs> bigger than the other. <laughs> oh, no. Actually, I've still got a problem with asymmetry right now, thanks to my surgery. Not that kind of surgery. No, I've got... Because they removed a fat pad from my stomach to test it for the lymph nodes for cancer. And, yeah, they're... They didn't tell me they were only going to do one side, did they? I was there the week before the operation going, Yeah, free pizza at work. I'll have another slice. Next week, free lipo. It wasn't all the way. (laughs) I look like a sad bear (laughs) with one droopy muzzle. But what are the eyes, Donna? You don't want to know. If they could make John Lewis adverts more relevant... To the middle-aged woman, you'd have Bastille singing, I can't fight this feeling anymore. And instead of fire coming out of a dragon, you'd just have a woman dashing to the pub so that she could use the loo's. Because of incontinence. I'm so happy, I can hardly contain myself. Hey, anyway, I've got some news for you this week. It's not great news. But, you know, I was down to the final ten of BBC new voices. Everything was crossed waiting to hear back from them. Well, I did hear back from them earlier this week. And sad. I did not make it. Uh, So somebody else is going to be their new voice. Somebody else is going to be their new voice. (laughs) No, I'm fine. I'm fine. I really am. Yeah. I listened to all of my competitors and We were a strong bunch I think I did really well and yeah I think they thought I did really well as well because the conversation I had with the BBC was that I should keep in touch because they really like what I do and they are very interested in working with me in the future so I think that bodes really well or like it said in my school reports it augurs well for the future. Thank you, Babs. That was my headmistress's nickname. I forgot her actual real name. Does anybody know who used to be headmistress at Dormson School? Because I can only think of her as Bouncing Babs now. She had great Barbara Windsor hair. <laughs> I think her name was Barbara. I hope it was, otherwise, that's really mean. She's probably in retirement now and thinking, oh, There's a podcast by one of my old pupils. I'll listen to it. Hang on. What are they calling me? Sorry. (laughs) You had an absolutely fine figure, madam. Oh, and I've seen a few people raving about Joe, the sort of like news channel thing. They've done a parody video of the John Lewis ad. It's basically the John Lewis ad with a few labels on it and extra faces. The extra faces being Donald Trump and Greta Thunberg. And I thought, ooh, that's uncanny, because this week I've looked a lot like Greta Thunberg, according to some people. Look, it's just Platts. I don't look 17, <laughs> unless you are very drunk. Mind you, neither does she. That said, I really don't mind if you compare me to black metal Greta Thunberg, in which case all I can say to you is, HOW DARE YOU? Magic, magic that, isn't it? I'm very good. Talking about me being very good. (laughs) That sounds like a right brag. No, I've been very good this week. Not on the eating cakes front. I've had rather a lot of cake. Blame Pudsey Bear. Pudsey Bear inspires bake-offs. So I've just been chomping down on lots of rainbow cake and chocolate fudge cake and cookies and I've eaten no real food so that I could eat eat cake yeah so how are you in children in need week I mean that's the only good thing about children in need isn't it apart from you know actually helping children in need and Doctor Who and Doctor Who being brilliant at helping children in need as well did you see the video that Jodie Whittaker did with um, that little girl amazing and it's not the first time I've ever heard of her being really helpful to Sick children, as well. I know somebody in comedy um, whose son has been in hospital for a long, long time and he's out now. But she sent him a video when he was very poorly and said, When you're better, come down to the set in Cardiff and I'll, I'll show you around. And she did. It's amazing. So they've got photos and everything, and it's all under wraps because, of course anything shared on social media might accidentally reveal a little bit of the plot. But I wanted to say, big heart, Jodie Whittaker, you are also, you are amazing as a human being. And if any of you have done stuff for children in need this week, well done you. Because, you know, it's a great charity, isn't it? I The BBC have previously employed people like Gary Glitter and Flipping Jimmy Savile for their charitable endeavours. So, you know, they've got a lot of ground to make up and we're all helping, which is jolly good. I absolutely do not mind wearing my pyjamas for a day around the office and eating lots of cake to help the kids. If you've been doing something awesome for charity this week, let us know and I'll give you a mention. I'm really curious to see if anyone did anything interesting or if it was just wearing pyjamas and baking cakes. Not that those aren't really honourable endeavours, but it seems to be what everyone's done. And something called duck racing, but I don't get what that is. I've been on my travels quite a bit this week. So I mentioned last Sunday when I recorded this podcast that I was prepping all my meals because I was going to have such a a few busy days. And that worked out pretty well, I must say. Uh, So yeah, on Monday I was quite local. I went to do comedy crate at the lamplighter nearly had a disaster there though didn't i because i made all my rice for my curry fine for when i got home but i left the house and i forgot to put on the slow cooker and put in my cooked onions and garlic that i'd done in into the slow cooker as well so i had to ring neil and say can you find the onions and garlic and put them in and add some water and a couple of the bits of tomatoes and turn it on to level one. And he did all that. And I basically came home to very strong, fresh onion soup. Because <laughs> he couldn't find my, my uh, cooked onions. So he chopped another one up for me. And then put like about three pints of water in. But I rescued it. I rescued it. And it, it was all right in the end. Uh, By by day three of this, it was starting to taste like dull. So with everything sort of melanging together. And I did my picnic as well for the train on Tuesday. But anyway, let me tell you about my Northampton gig. Well, there weren't that many people there. So it was a bit so-so, really. Lovely to meet Winter Fernanda, who I keep hearing about. And he was on first. So that was, that was really lovely. And we discussed drinking tea. The fact that I popped to Aldi. You know, nice things. And then there was Lizanne Davis was there as well. Who I've met a few times doing the old comedian of the year competition. And she had a good one. She had a really good gig. And then there was Sachin Kumarendran. He had a really good one. And Luke McDonnell, also good. And then it was um, really lovely to see Rob Coleman. I haven't seen him for ages. And I don't know what it is whenever he comes to Northampton. So whenever. It's not always, Rob. But I noticed this. You have a tendency to forget your hat. So <laughs> I, I reminded him. Your hat. Then he left it on the stage. He did that to us twice when he played for us at the Victoria Inn. But flipping lovely to see Rob. And talk to him about his um, trip across the Atlantic that he did last year because he's a a transatlantic rower is Rob very brave very brave you know how you say to comedians if you don't really know comedy oh that's really brave that's not a nice thing for comedians to hear but I think Rob wouldn't mind me saying that he's brave in the context of rowing across the Atlantic and of course Ben Aveling was emceeing I'm not stalking Ben this week even though I saw him three gigs in a flipping row (laughs) But it was kind of strange that for some reason they decided to put these massive cheese plants on the stage area on the lamplighter. I don't know what that's for, because I felt like David Bellamy kind of peering out from behind them. Here's David Bellamy, exploring the undergrowth. Global warming is a myth. I believe in conservation, conservation of my energy by doing But I was amazed by these cheese plants. They were just so huge. I was telling Winter that these plants reminded me of a time when I was quite young and I lived in Sedgley in the black country and nothing ever happened in Sedgley. And all my friends were kind of getting into religion and I was like a confirmed atheist. But all these posters started going up around town saying, come to the Crusades. I mean... They literally didn't want us to sort of like don chainmail and armour and head to the Middle East. What it was was some American evangelists popped up a marquee on the Tenska Park. Tenska it's short for tennis court because there was a tennis court there. But everyone in Sedgley calls it a Tenska. So yeah, they said come to the Tenska, we've got a massive tent and everybody in sedgley went the drawer of the evangelists and i went with my mom and it was crazy we sat there and we were all like going because all of our neighbors went as well because they're curious oh let's go see what it's about and um i sat there with my mom and there was like organ music and we couldn't really hear very much but there was like this guy at the front and he said If you feel compelled by the power of the Lord, come on down. And like these women started running to the front of this tent. And when they got to the front, they got given a plant. (laughs) And there was a cheese plant. And my mum said, oh, that's a nice cheese plant. So So I said to her, why don't you pretend that you've been touched by Jesus and just run to the front and grab it, and then we'll leave? She was like, oh, "No, I won't do it. I won't do it." And I was like, "Go on!" And I started pushing her <laughs> into the aisle. Go on, you. My mum has been touched by Jesus. Now, 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 get off, get off. <laughs> I would just sit down and then hide, blushing faces. She was like, "I am mortified." <laughs> I used to employ the same tactic every time we used to walk past Ann Summers. Oh, it was great once. We were shopping in Shrewsbury, and me and both of my sisters. Basically, we walked past Anne Summers, and we got Mum, and we just gave her a massive shove. There's your shop, Mum. And then she went, ah, ah, why are you always shoving me into these places? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, so that's what that reminded me of. I mean, she wasn't even in a special prude, it's just that we found it really funny to just basically put her next to dildos. <laughs> oh god, I miss her. Do you know what? I think sometimes me doing this podcast, it's sometimes it's like a replacement for talking to my mum, because I'd be phoning her like every other couple of days to give her all of my news. And she'd chat to me about TV. I don't watch as much TV as I used to. I've got nothing to talk about. No one to talk about TV with. There's no point in me watching things like X Factor. Because there's nobody I know who's interested in that kind of thing. Just my mum. And those are the last conversations I had with her. Was about um, flipping X Factor. And, yeah, she, she cut me short so she could catch the results or something, I don't know, on a Wednesday. Yeah. Anyway. Right, talk about Tuesday now. Northampton, I think it was a bit so-so. I don't know why. Just nobody really out, nobody really enthusiastic. Uh, But it helps when you've got, like, everything in the... Comedy club set up so that it signals that it's going to be a good night. You want, you know, not only all the chairs facing forward, you want warmth in the room, you want spotlights centred on the stage, you want music as people come in, you want the illusion of the show going on, you want the MC not to tell the comedians to have to go and sit in the flipping audience, you want the MC. To tell the audience to shut the hell up. (laughs) Do housekeeping. Do something. Make it good. Uh, I just think some of the atmosphere was a little bit lacking on Monday. But Tuesday. Tuesday. Oh, I went to Coventry. And I love Coventry. It's. Considering, you know, it was a town that got bombed. And I remember, like, visiting it in the 90s. And it didn't look very much. But it's really come on. It's a great little town. And. Um, this is a gig run by Michael Dryberg, and it's called Box Ready Comedy, and it's just moved venues because they lost the back house. They've now moved the comedy event on. I think it's like first Tuesday of the month or something, second Tuesday of the month, to Draper's Bar. Yeah, it'd be second Tuesday, wouldn't it? I can't think. Checks calendar. Yes, second Tuesday. So, Draper's Bar. It's Very near the cathedral, just past that really grand looking town hall. And downstairs, it's like really big and open plan. It's very hipster. And there's an upstairs as well, which you can reach through either staircase on the right or the left. A big seating area at the top. One corner of it can be shut off for this event, which works really well. And the thing with Michael is he's not only a really good MC, but he runs this gig as tight as anything he pays really good attention to detail so myself and him and graham milton helped set up the chairs so that it wasn't all cafe style but you know everything facing the stage all nicely tightly packed in and he got the lights sorted he got a sound guy working on the sound he got um fancy projector and intros with video clips and voiceovers so it's all very professional And at that gig, I had a really good time and went down really well. So that was awesome. So I was second on after Graham Milton. Graham's like one of my favourite acts ever in the world. (laughs) How to describe him? Really dour, but very funny with it. It's so funny. And also very affable, even though he comes across like he's coming to be very grumpy with you on stage. It's very heartwarming. (laughs) it's essentially like new material so he was like doing some new stuff I just remember him from when I first met him years and years ago and he had this material he had about reading chip shop reviews that he'd written that was just excellent it's a shame his blog isn't at all findable now but there is a hint of it if you look at his profile on Twitter which to my shame I had not yet followed, sorry Graham I'm following you now. It says comedian, sketchwriter, chip lover, chip reviewer, grumpy man. I think that sums him up. So I'm following him now. And there's a lovely picture of a plate of chips. And then I went on second and I had a lovely time. And then following me was Andrew Bird. So Andrew is actually from Northampton. But I've never met him. I mean, it's possible to live in this town and never bump into people that you know quite well. The Metal John who I went to Kiel University with, was here for a long, long time. But I never met him. I think I might have met him once in the King Billy Rock Bar. But I think he's moved away now. But, you know, seeing I've been here 11 years, Metal John was here for 11 years, I've never bumped into him to have a conversation. So it's possible. But anyway, what I saw of him, he is flipping excellent. What you need to know about him, is not only is he very funny, but you also need to know he is tour support for Michael McIntyre and Rod Gilbert, you know, very successful comedians. And so when he said on stage and called back to my set and basically applauded one of my jokes in front of the rest of the audience, and he said this just before I left as well, it was like, that's a fucking good gag that is. And I was like, oh my God, endorsement from somebody really awesome. That I'm very, very happy. So, yes, Michael McIntyre's tour support complimented my set from the stage to the audience. I can't get better than that, can I? Can't ask for more. And then headlining was Ashley Freeze, who sadly I had to miss because I had to go and get my train. But flipping love, Ashley Freeze. And it's been so long since I'd seen him. So, ah, oh, brilliant. What a lovely night that was. All these lovely people, all being jolly funny. What a good gig. What a lovely place. Draper's Bar. Box ready comedy. And then on Friday night, I got out of my pyjamas and into my real clothes. And a colleague from work gave me a lift to Flittick so that I could get an easier train down to my gig in Luton at the Hat Factory for Jake Pickford. Now, that's another comedy night that's really well set up. Just brilliant to play. In the downstairs area with a bar at the Hat Factory, which is a cultural art centre, had a recent redevelopment as well, so it looks very posh and smells of fresh paint. And the green room, when we got there, is basically a cupboard. So I think we must have been the first people to use it. Because so we had to go and get some furniture to sit on <laughs> I went on first so that I could get a really, really early train back and actually make it back before I turned into a pumpkin. Yeah, well, I had a flipping excellent time. The audience was lovely. They loved me. And I was on with Andy Zapp, Josh Weller, Alex Haddo, Adam Brides, Charlene Jahan and the headline act Trish Dunn. I left in the middle of Andy's set because he was on after me. But Jake has reported back and said that everyone did really well that night. I mean, as I came off stage, he just basically said to me, oh, you fucking smashed it. And I was like, thank you. And he was like amazed. It's like, oh, you were bang on time. I was like, yeah, it's like I timed it. And he was like, no, you were bang on time. I'm kind of just very happy that I got laughs. Yeah, I feel like this bit of new material is properly cemented now. So book me. I am ready for your gigs. So yeah, I could do with some more gigs because I've not really got a lot going on in the next couple of weeks. I've got my um, writers group this week and a couple of gigs as a punter. So something else would be nice because I feel like I'm missing out on some opportunities that should be mine that I deserve so that would be lovely I want to be one of these comedians who has stuff to do over Christmas, you know what I mean so i am just took a break to go and get some peppermint tea and I've been thinking about this weekend uh, I've done so much this weekend I've been shopping in the charity shops got myself some lovely jumpers, because I'm knitting a jumper, I've it's my third year of trying to knit it and it's my third attempt at knitting it so my prospects of actually getting it done for the cold which is now here very slim so I thought well I'll go and buy some more jumpers because I need some more jumpers I'm wearing this lovely cosy jumper it's originally a Joe Brown's but I got it from the Sally Army it's lovely so I'm thinking brilliant I'm doing something good for fast fashion and all of that got another black jumper to go with it as well and also i had my dms repaired this week they've been resold so saving resources giving work to the lovely people at timson's it's all good and yesterday i went out for a lovely stroll at holston furs with neil so you know breathing in the autumnal misty air hearing woodpeckers and pheasants crying in the woods Pheasants sound like a broken car. It's amazing how many birds sound like cars? Because you've got the pheasants that sound like a, a, the car and get the car started. You've got geese that sound like clown cars. And then you've got whatever bird it is that sounds like somebody's car alarm. So when we'd finished our walk, we decided to go for a cup of tea at a nearby pub because the garden centre was shut. So I'm not naming the pub because... Oh, it was full of awful human beings you know there's a reason that we went to that pub because it was nearby and we've been walking I think that's a reasonable reason to go to that pub another reasonable reason to go to that pub is that it's a bit of a pub, so to have a celebratory meal because it's like 18 quid a main so you know not really one just pop in for Sunday lunch it's not a normal pub it's a posh pub. And thing is, these posh there there were people in there who just popped in for a drink. What kind of human beings are that? Who's popping in to a posh pub for a drink. I'll tell you what kind of humans they were. Awful human beings. So I went to the bar, I'm not kidding you, there were these two lads there. And they didn't care that I was standing very near them and could hear everything they were saying one of the lads he was wearing a flat cap like in peaky blinders but he wasn't wearing the rest of the clothes like peaky blinders which are quite smart and lovely he was wearing what looked like jeggings i mean this is a crime probably saying to yourself don't you just mean skinny jeans no i mean jeggings i mean he could have worn some skinny jeans they would be made of jeans material and be of a jeans color but these were like baby blue with lots of lycra in they were jeggings <laughs> quite frankly he needed the lycra he was saying to his friend who had his shirt open down his chest who does that these days with a little pokey hair out the top of his chest Oh, and he was like saying to this friend oh yeah the, all of these lads they, they, they called me up and wanted me to go out and I've worked out they only want me to go out so that I can buy them around. Yeah, they're not real friends, are they? I mean, like, th- these guys have basically called each other up to go for a drink with each other because that was their intention. If your other friends are also doing the same thing, but maybe, maybe you're not a real friend? And why were they asking you for, for rounds anyway? Because these two guys are sitting there with two glasses of white wine, which just seems wrong. I don't know why. They're entitled to drink white wine i drink white wine why is it incorrect but there they were at the bar and you know so far you're thinking you're being harsh this is not really bad conversation this is like just two guys fed up with the circle of friends getting together at the bar for a glass of chardonnay it gets worse and this lad with the hat on was starting to say oh am i missus she's so boring and that's why I've come out because she was in the bath I don't want to sit in and watch Disney films and I just started laughing to myself at this because I'm thinking Disney do all the Star Wars and that now or does she? Does, does he mean like Frozen why would she be making him watch Frozen is it that they actually have children and he has basically left the house while well, she's in the bath And the kids are just left to themselves in front of a Disney film. This guy's a git. And his friend then starts saying, yeah, I know what you mean. You want to come out, have a meal, with a tart. He actually said that. I mean, these guys must have been in their 30s. What language is this for people in their 30s? Why would they call women tarts? It's birds, isn't it? It's birds. (laughs) Ha ha! Oh dear. And... The, the guy with the with the chest hair, he started saying, yeah, when I go travelling, when I go out, I leave the ring at home, you know what I mean? And they'll go, yeah, we leave the ring at home. I was like, oh dear. So I decided that they were the worst human beings in the world and for that reason, I'm not going to go there for <laughs> again in case I bump into them. Checkings, No! <laughs> anyway... I think I'm a decent person 'cause I wear charity shop clothes and I have my hair in plaits, like Greta Thunberg, who is of course the most excellent of people. anyway, I think I have witted on for quite long enough this week. I should probably go and do something else, and you've got stuff to do as well, haven't you? You might as well get on. You've got that Adam Buxton podcast to listen to, haven't you so um, I'll say goodbye. This is me, Donna Scott, signing out. You've been listening to the Lemonade Budget for Champagne Social Butterflies with Donna Scott. The music was It Looks Like the Future, But It Feels Like the Past by Dr. Turtle.